I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Inside the Comedian with me, David Reed. In this episode, I'll be interviewing John Finnamore. Comedian, writer, radio colossus, film minnow. Globe trotter, glass decanter, half pint jam jar vase. John Finnamore, welcome to Inside the Comedian. Glad we could make the money work. <laughs> You've won many awards for your comically sideways takes on the world. Um, how did you get to be so sideways? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think what you do is uh, you simply take a topic mm. and then you say exactly the thing uh, about it that everyone always says, and that's what they're waiting for. So when you say Richard Gere and they're waiting for you to say hamster, mm. when you say hamster, they think that's a sideways take and they love it. <laughs> so my secret of, of comedy writing, basically, is just to uh, help people with no sense of humour believe that they have a sense of humour... <laughs> Because they knew I was going to say hamster once I'd said Richard Gere. I mean, I feel like Neo in The Matrix at this time. That is exactly the sort of reference I would use and people would like. Absolutely. It's one of his most famous films. Well, true. But also, it's a film that was made over 15 years ago, so people more or less have... You know, it's the first rule of Fight Club, basically. Yes. Uh, Of course. Of course. What is the worst thing you've ever laughed at? (laughs) Uh, I have created most of the worst things I've ever laughed at. Uh, And in a way, my daily job when I sit down on my desk is to see if I can top that. Sorry, you sit down on your desk? Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, I have three desks in my office. I have the desk I sit on, Mm. and then I have a large desk in front of me, on top of which is the smaller desk, uh, which obviously makes me, in comparison, the right height to work. Absolutely, but presumably there's not much headroom left. Uh, No, that is why I cut through a sort of circle into the uh, flat above. Uh, So, although I'm typing at my desk, I'm actually looking under the bed of my next-door neighbour. Which I find helps distance me from the workaday world and really gives me ideas for jokes about dust bunnies. And and that's about it, presumably. It is it, but then Dust Bunnies is in its seventh series, so... And congratulations for that. Well, thank you, yeah. Um, Now, um, if we could go back to the beginning um, of your career, not of all things... Phew. um, You you started out uh, with the Cambridge Footlights, Mm -hmm. uh, performing with such luminaries as Peter Smeater, uh, Welk Mm. Crevice, um, Jan Something Sometimes, uh, (laughs) Listy Gagson, Uh. and... um, (laughs) 
and cheeky Bill Sweetmeats. Yeah. Now, um, was that always the dream to uh, join the Footlights? Well, the thing is, when you're at Cambridge, you know, there's only two ways out of Cambridge. It's street fighting or sketch comedy. Mm. <laughs> and, uh... And street fighting was full, was it? Well, <laughs> after I lost a couple of bouts and, um, as you can see, my right arm, I, uh, yeah... <laughs> I, I thought I'd better go the sketch comedy route, and, um, so, yes, it was very much a, a, a poor second best. And, and do you remember the first sketch you wrote there? I do, yes. Uh, it was one that, um... McGlissgagerson and I wrote together, <laughs> and um, it concerned uh, the, the, the very real world, you know, what it's like when you get to university and, um, you know, the, the battles are all in the wrong part of the smorgasbord and you have to go to the senior pre-elector to get a chit in order to exeat. <laughs> And it I mean, every, it's everyone's <laughs> first route for comedy when well, they start, no, isn't it? But I'm sure you did exactly the same. I did, sketch. I did. Yeah, yeah, I wrote yeah. about that, poos, and how religion is silly. <laughs> um, and that's, that tends to be where we start, yeah. isn't it? And stop. And stop, yeah, we never stop uh, talking about poos and how religion is silly. It is silly, though. It is it? quite it's silly. It's a silly thing. But you know what? Poos. That's <laughs> true, yeah. Do you remember those days fondly, or is nostalgia a dangerous food? <laughs> I remember them mainly with spite and bitterness, mm. and I think, again, that helps my writing uh, enormously, because essentially, uh, you know, what gets me up in the morning is trying to do better than McGlisterson, uh, <laughs> who is still writing and is now in America. Good for her. <laughs> yes, what, what, what is, uh, is McGlisterson writing on at the moment? Is uh, she is... Not to focus on her career, but... No, 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 I, also I have no idea, I certainly don't Google her. Uh, but <laughs> uh, the last I heard, uh, she is writing... Uh, Rebel Wilson is remaking um, Steptoe and Son. <laughs> That's right. Uh, That's right. It's and you know what, it's about bloody time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, it's a female reboot with her and Meryl Streep. That's right. Uh, who has had all her teeth removed in order to play. Well, that's um, Meryl for you. I, I mean, know, her she commitment to the role yeah. is incredible. Yeah, yeah. And, she had, um, uh, yes, yes, that's right. Um, yeah, and Jack Black as Hercules the horse. <laughs> of course, it'll get the internet up in arms. Rag and bone men were never women, you know, but. It's true, but they were. They were all women. They were always women. <laughs> you look at the pictures of old rag and bone men, they're all women. <laughs> yeah, I a... do little else of an evening. <laughs> yes, um, ragandboners.com. Oh! Um, uh, now, you shot to fame, and I use that word quite wrongly. Mm. Um, but with your own sitcom on Radio 4, um, mm. set around a small, family-run pharmaceutical giant. <laughs> um, <laughs> How did that idea come about? You mean the idea for cabin Pfizer? Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, well, um, it's, 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 it's sort of dull, really. It's, it's just that my father was a pharmaceutical giant. And, <laughs> uh, and by that, I don't mean he ran it or anything. I mean that a, uh, a cocktail of drugs, he took it ill-advisedly in the 60s, turned him into a giant. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's got its uh, ups and downs, uh, mainly ups. Um, 
but uh, yeah, it was just basically looking at what he was and the thing that had made him that way made me think, oh, well, that also means a type of company. I'll write a sitcom about that. <laughs> now, had you any idea that uh, one of your co-stars in Farms... Uh, in uh, that... Gavin Pfizer. Thank you. <laughs> Gavin Pfizer uh, would become so famous. Well, you're talking, of course, about, uh, you know, before the great big detective show, you're talking about Joan Hickson. That's right. <laughs> and, Joan Hickson. Uh, no, I mean... An uh, unknown, a relative unknown Well, absolutely. Time. Joan was just, uh, you know, just... just uh, do, couldn't get arrested on television, really. Uh, no. Ironically. Uh, and, uh, but then it was during the making of our show that she got the Marple gig. And, of course, after that, it just went haywire. It went crazy. I mean, she has performed in so many of our famous characters. You know, Marple. Mm-hmm. Continue the list. Um, <laughs> yes. Um... Indiana Jones. <laughs> Deckard. <laughs> I mean, I could go on. No, yes, I know you could. So many. So many. Do you think it'll ever come back? Well, you know, I keep writing every day to the commissioner saying, please let me have another go, but, um, yeah, we'll just wait and see if they read their post. Mm, mm. Do you think they do read their post? I don't think they do read their no, post. No, I don't think they read no. their post. I don't think anyone reads their post anymore, really. I've got a massive pile of posts, don't know what to do with it. I don't open my post. No, I don't, know, I don't so have time. I, no, I do have time, and yet I don't open it. <laughs> that is the tragedy of my life. <laughs> so as tragedies go, that's pretty small. My life's quite great. a small tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you've lived quite a charmed life. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, although, I, you know, that's why I write sitcom. If I had a happy life, I'd write sitraj. <laughs> but my one attempt at that, um, the seagull. <laughs> yes, the yes. sitcom. The uh, situation tragedy, yeah, the seagull. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, I tried to turn Chekhov's masterpiece into a sitcom. Uh, but but, but what, uh, the twist is that I had, um, I had a, a human actor play the titular seagull. Yes. And all of the other characters were played by, by seagulls. Seagulls, yeah. <laughs> and I think actually where it failed is that that gave it a certain levity you weren't intending well, upon. Well, that's right. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, seagulls are cheap. But they on are the other very hand, cheap. They cannot act. No, they cannot act. I mean, there's that one memorable scene they show in all the clip shows of them fighting over a slice of pizza. Yeah. Yes. Apart from that, it And was... they got that from the off, to be fair. Really? At, at the table read, they were all over that, but um, <laughs> sadly the one where, you know, they were carpooling and but somebody had forgotten to bring their daughter. They just... They, that was just them squawking in a, in a citron, which... Uh, it's bad television. Yes, it's a yeah. vine at best, yeah, isn't yeah. it? And, you know, casting the one human... Uh, casting Jason Siegel just because of the name... <laughs> Wears off after the pilot. Exactly, yeah. yeah. He wasn't the right man for the job. We no. should have, you know, paid the extra money and got Bonneville. <laughs> I mean, he would have been wonderful in the world, <laughs> wouldn't he? Yes. In a fiesta full of seagulls. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. show if if we can go back to um cabin to, Pfizer. Yeah. That show um led on to your own sketch show on Radio 4 yeah. um called John Finnamore's Behind You with a Gun. Um, <laughs> now remind me who were your co-stars in that one? Yes, well of course I had um Millicent Craybon Spratt. Yes. Um, <laughs> and Millie Kwan Lank. Yes. Uh, there's the, 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 the wonderful um, and Simon Kane. It's just uh, that's just his actual name. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and um, then there's uh, Laurie Fry. And, and did it, did that bring with it its own challenges? That um, that half of you had silly names, and then everyone. And then I'd lost interest. Then lost the interest. <laughs> and just hired people who had fairly normal names. Simon Kane certainly lorded over the rest of us that mm. uh, he has a normal name like a human, and Millie and. Four. <laughs> the other two are. Uh... Has fame got to your head? Do you, think? <laughs> you can't remember the names of your co-stars. Uh, only once. Only once. <laughs> I yes. can remember them once yeah. and then never again. Never again. Now, it sounds like a real room. dream team. Uh, was there any friction between you on the show? There. I mean, I, I thought Endless I sensed a, a certain amount of friction yeah, we, in some of the sketches. Yeah. I mean, we cannot stand each other. <laughs> we absolutely, uh, it's just, yeah, uh, nails on a blackboard uh, went to hear any of them speak, even when they're speaking words which I've written for them, which are the only words I will allow them to speak. Right. Either on stage or in the rehearsal process or anywhere where I might hear them. Now, in fact, the contract says anywhere at all, but I can't enforce that. That's very hard to enforce. Uh, if I do try to enforce it, it means spending more time with them, which is the very thing I'm trying to avoid. So how do you get around that? If, if you can't stand them so much, yeah. and yet you require them for the show? They're terribly cheap. Right. They are extraordinarily cheap. Um, uh, Laurie is actually cheaper than the seagulls, <laughs> which is bizarre, because they would do it for you know, a herringbone and an ice cream. Uh, so what will, he, what will Laurie do it for? Just the herringbone. Wow. He's, um, wow. he's lactose intolerant. Shows so, uh, yeah. Ka-ching. Ka-ching indeed. Yeah. You get to keep an ice cream. Hire, <laughs> another, hire another half a I seagull. Do, although I do have to, um, eat, I have to eat a lot of herrings. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. I don't like herrings, but I'm not going to give him a whole herring just because I don't like them. <laughs> that is not how the industry works. No, Laurie. absolutely. He's worth a herringbone, and that's what he's going to get. And I'll choke down some raw herring <laughs> in order to keep him in his place. And if you're listening, Laurie, that's the way it's going to stay, OK? <laughs> 
It seems strange you have to pay the, the actors when uh, the BBC's... Uh, are they not footing the bill in Herring? Not anymore, no. Um, after the second series, they said, this is fine, John, but it's more of a hobby, really, isn't it? <laughs> they say uh, that about a lot of their content. They do. And I said, well, look, if I, you know, just get, can I carry on doing it if I pay everyone? And they went, well, I mean, we do have a lot of hours to fill with all the archers, so... Uh, <laughs> I suppose so. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've always found Radio 4 to be something of a gentleman's hobby. I mean, they did say, they did say to me once, look, David, we're paying you so little, why don't you just do it for nothing? <laughs> um, because there's no way out of that argument, because, of course, they've already only hired people who are independently wealthy. So it, <laughs> you can't say, but I need the money, because they know it's not true, don't they? <laughs> Well, that may be the case for you, but I have a, a, a thriving other business um, as, a scrap, oh, really? as a scrap metal dealer. That's, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> right. where, that's where the money is. And then, uh, the, yeah, the, the comedy is just a, just a hobby, a sideline. Right. Is there a lot of scrap metal about, or do, uh, do some nefarious well, yeah, now, people steal it from church? No, no, there's, um, there's, there's plenty these days, because you know, now all the women have stopped being rag and bone dealers. They were so good at it. Let a lot of scrap for people like me to, to pick up and, and sell. Well, it's, it's good to have secondary revenue streams, yeah. isn't it? Um, you're something of a ubiquitous presence on Radio 4, uh, writing on such shows as These Jokes Again, um, <laughs> That Ritual Wet Look, um, that pilchard and Clegg sound, and I'm sorry, I'll feed Gazza's hen. Um, can a sketch writer spread himself too thin and run out of ideas, do you think? Well, when I first sit down to write a sketch, or, or indeed a sitcom or anything, really, I, the important thing is just to sort of splurge a version out, just get something out, uh, no matter how bad a kind of first draft, and then you just put it in a drawer, you know, for, for, for weeks, um, months even, and then, I'll only then, take it out, and send it in. Absolutely. And that way, they think you've spent ages on it. Yes. Uh, and that is the important thing. Exactly. And that way, you can just keep churning it out. Absolutely, because there yeah. really is very little critical faculty at the other end of that exchange. Isn't no, it? so long as it's neatly formatted, they assume Absolutely. you can do it. Yeah. Absolutely. How funny is it? Well, it's a good font. Um, Precisely. He's got final draft, so presumably he's a writer. <laughs> When you're that in demand as a comedy writer, what kind of a thing do you say no to? <laughs> so I'll rephrase the question. I'll the, rephrase uh... the question. Uh, so, so when when there's more work coming in than you can possibly, com no? no, okay. No, I'm, um, I'm sorry, you've lost me again. Okay. I don't know what, uh, um, anyone's money not good in your book? <laughs> Well, I, I, so you, said, you said the word money and good and mm. then not in the middle in a way that just right, grammatically on. simply makes no sense to me. You're, you're quite right, you're quite right. Um, we've not even really touched upon your television work. We, we, we've lost... Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, which of the two things has been your favourite? <laughs> well, you know, I got out of television as soon as I could, really. They keep trying to draw you back in, but, yes. but uh, radio is where the big bucks are. Um, and it's also the only way of breaking through to the ultimate goal, which is podcasting. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I count my blessings every day. Well, you know, you're at the top pissing down on the rest of us, so you should. Well, well, you know, one has one's pre-show rituals. Um, <laughs> would you say you're an evil man at heart? <laughs> I wouldn't say it. <laughs> Because you want to keep that kind of thing secret. Mm. 
And what's the most sinister thing you've ever done? Um, I think trying to braid the ears of my sister's spaniel as a, as a young boy. Together or just individually? Um, to the ears of two other spaniels. <laughs> Because I think you have to have three to make a plat. I believe that's so, correct, um, yes. You know, that number of spaniels gave me six, and I made two lovely pigtails and a sort of king rat of spaniels. <laughs> a king spaniel, if you will. A king, yes. Uh, and then allowed them to, um, you know, romp into my sister's bedroom. Um, like yes. some sort of terrifying tripod. Yes. <laughs> yes. A yes. tripod with six times four legs. <laughs> Which is the sum I now find I can't do. But 24, 24. yes, a 24-pod. A 24-pod, crazed, terrified spaniel, <laughs> bound together at the six heads. I think that's a fairly strong claim for the most sinister thing I've ever done. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. So, comedy is your, your day job, but what do you do to not laugh? Well, Apart obviously from the, the strap metal. Yeah. Yeah. Once I finished, you know, sorting the bumpers from the tumble dryers, which are the main two types, <laughs> people tend to keep the interesting strap metal factoid for you. Mm. People, people tend to keep most of their car, but every year or so they'll throw away the bumper. <laughs> get a new bumper. Everyone wants this season's bumper. That's right. So I That's get a lot true. of bumpers stacking up. Uh, and I sort them. I collect them, I polish them, and I display them uh, in an underground lair. And uh, I don't laugh at them at all. Well, they're, they're, that's, they're no laughing matter, are they? They're not, but they're neither of my jokes. <laughs> that's interesting, because if you don't laugh, that reinforces the point. And if you do laugh, well, it's a laugh, I'll take it. Bearing in mind your comedy career and mm. your scrap metal lair... Um, yes, your, two, your mirthless two main things scrap about Scrap metal yes. lair. Where do you see yourself in five years into the future, counting forwards from today. OK, well, <laughs> I think I'll have probably have my 300th bumper by then. Right. Uh, it's what I'm working towards. And, um, so knock through? Knock uh, through the lair into yeah, the Yeah, knock through and continue knocking up as well. Um, maybe see if I can knock up to the flat above. And, um, you know, just sort of try and write on three levels. Because normally when people say that joke works on so many levels, what they mean is that joke works on two levels. Levels, yes. Uh, but if I'm writing jokes, actually, you know, feet in my study, hands presumably gripping onto the ceiling of the one above, and most of my body stretched yes. through my neighbour's bedroom. Your word processor plugged into uh, the upstairs neighbour's socket. So you exactly, can use that. and that is where I see myself in five, five years. years. <laughs> and I will not rest until I've achieved that goal. And uh, what, what genre do you, uh, would you like to write in if you weren't welcome in comedy anymore? Poetry. <laughs> uh, odes, sonnets, uh, other types of poetry. Poetry, yeah. yes. I've yes. named two. I, I don't see why I need to name any more. No. Sestinas. <laughs> I am going to specialise in sestinas. Is that not a skin disease? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'm going to combine it. I'm going to write skin disease, skin disease poetry. I think that's where the, uh, the, 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 big, the big bucks are. Well, poetry's been trying to break into the big bucks for so long, and <laughs> so someone's funny. got to achieve it, yeah, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. So, um, finally, you must have heard a lot of laughter in your life. Can you demonstrate for me your top five? <laughs> 
Um, there's the sneaky sort of, the, the laugh of, I get that clever reference, but it's not actually funny, but I need to demonstrate that I've got it. I think that's probably number five. How does that go? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, the other four are secret. <laughs> oh, go on. All right. Uh, <laughs> number four is the nervous laugh when an audience realises that a, typically a sketch group, but it could be a stand-up, is going to do the, I'm going to do this so long that it's going to become funny again, even though people have been doing that since the goons, and it's no longer surprising. Yes. And they that nervous laugh of, oh, God, he really is going to do it. Is he going to do the full Stuart Lee or just a half-assed attempt? I hope it's just a half-assed attempt. Uh, and, then the, and then the laugh... My third favourite is to laugh sort of a minute later when you're still doing the repeating thing. And they like you, so they've got to sort of show willing and say, yeah, no, yeah, we are finding it funny again. You're right, it's gone on so long, we're finding it funny again. Please stop now. Uh, yeah. yeah that's... And then my top laugh is the uh, laugh of uh, actual surprise of someone doing that, which, as I say, happened in 1955 when the goons did it for the first time. Wow. There you go. So, uh, audiences, you've learnt something today. Uh, you can impress your comedian by using those very laughs <laughs> from this day forth. John Finnamore, thank you for letting us inside you. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Inside the Comedian with me, your host, David Reed. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a glowing review on iTunes to help set impossibly high expectations in our future listeners. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.